Hello and welcome to the second episode of Hala Talk. I'm your host, Jesse Shapiro. Joined by Jack Weinman. We have a very, very special guest today. Hello, my name is Aaron Mariosa. It's an honor to be on Chala Talk. Something I heard <laughs> a lot from Mr. Shapiro here. Yes. So Aaron, what's your familiarity like with Hala? I have never had Hala before. This is the first time. Um, I heard it's a Jewish bread of some sorts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that much about Jewish food, but let's see how it is. Great, let's get into it. Mm. It reminds me a lot of uh, brioche. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brioche bread. That's a good comp. Mm-hmm. Well, Jack, where's this uh, challah from? You just picked it up a little bit ago. Yeah. Um, so, foodstuffs in Glencoe. You know, pretty uh, premier shop. Very expensive, but right in town. So, it's all right. They make a pretty good challah. Yeah. For foodstuffs? Pretty good. For, for a store-bought challah, I expect nothing less. I bet this was probably like $11. Yeah. Um... We actually picked it up yesterday, mm. um, but wasn't sure if we we're gonna need it for break the fast, so I didn't didn't wanna didn't wanna jump the gun. But yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. So uh, first time having it, tastes like brioche, no problem for me. Oh. So the rating system, we go six six six, mm-hmm. and and if the holla gets three sixes, that's eighteen, which which is high, which is life. So out of six, what's your rating? I would probably give this like a four. A four out of six? Yeah. Very valid score. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm gonna have to agree with you. I think this is a, a four holla. Last week, uh, Mr. Shapiro came out with a six, um, but obviously nothing can beat a homemade holla when it's store-bought, so four yeah. out of six, very respectable score. I mean, I couldn't agree with you guys more. A four out of six is just the money score on this. It's just a solid halal around. There's nothing wrong with it. Not bad, not bad. But then, then again, there's nothing special about it. Right. Yeah. So Aaron, please introduce yourself a little bit to all the Halal Talk listeners. So my name is Aaron Matthew Ariosa. Uh, I don't think a, majority, a vast majority of the student body does not know who I am, but I'm easily identifiable, identifiable by the fact I wear the exact same thing in school every single day. Wonder what school. Uh, maroon sweater, um, light brown khakis, and gray shoes. That is a that is a typical uh, uh, wardrobe for me. That's the look. I feel like a lot of people when they go to school, they're stressing in the morning about what they want to wear. They want to impress people. They want to look good. Mm-hmm. But the thought process behind that of saying I'm going to wear the same thing to school every single day says a lot about you. What do you think that says? Um, I, I will admit I'm pretty lazy. Like <laughs> it's, it's really easy to do. I, I did wish I had more khakis and more uh, more stories to choose from. That's got to change. Uh, in college, of course, because mm-hmm. it has to. But convenient, uh, really easy to do. Probably the only reason I do it. I apologize to people who uh, had to witness uh, me wearing too many clothes and the smell, you know. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. I'm pretty sure you experienced that during some of our lunches, Jesse. No, no. My sense of smell isn't that good. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's all shot up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, one thing from Larry David, he. He was asked on one time, you wore those khakis yesterday, right? And Larry responds, you outfit, outfit tracking me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I think there's nothing wrong with it, especially because, you know, like you said, if it gets the job done, um, I, I mean, I've never noticed it, but Jesse, have you noticed it? 
I mean, I, I've noticed it, and certainly um, last year I used to eat lunch with uh, with Leo, and then Aaron would come up about halfway through the period, and he'd join us. Leo's our sound engineer and producer, by the way, for those you don't know, uh, and. He'd come up there and he'd sit down and we'd have very interesting conversations. Very interesting. And that sort of grew into a very interesting friendship, I'd say. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie, I just went up there, saw Leo, and was like, oh, I know this kid. And I remember you from a sophomore uh, world history. It was a very interesting Exactly. Conversation. That was a tremendous class. Tremendous. Uh, so you mentioned, you mentioned that not a lot of people know you. And I think that as a Hollow Talk guest, when I thought of who I wanted to have on the show, you were, the, you were one of the first people that came to mind. Really? Because I know a lot of people don't know you because Nutra is such a big school, uh -huh. but I think that you have one of the most interesting stories at Nutra. I wouldn't say interesting. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you don't, you go against the grain. Of course You want to talk a little bit about that? I go against the grain because I don't, I don't really identify with like the overall Nutra body. Mm -hmm. I respect a lot of these people. There's a lot of good kids. Um, but I just don't identify with them. I don't, I'd, uh, I don't share a lot of the same values and I don't feel like I belong here in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what do you think those nutrient values are and where do you defer from that? I'm not gonna lie, the first experience I had with North Shore was when I was six and I watched a movie called Mean Girls. It uh, <laughs> gave a very stereotypical. Uh, when I, of course, when I did come here, it was very different, and all those superficial values were pretty much thrown out the window. But there's a lot of stuff here that I just can't get behind. The bubble, for example. Mm -hmm. There's a, I mean, I want to believe it's not true, but it's true. It's like, it's its own society. Go like a couple of miles down south, and it's completely different. Yeah. I just can't get behind it, and I just can't stay in it if I'm aware of uh, the other things that are happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So within that, within this bubble, I feel like you've been able to sort of carve out your own, um, your own story. So I know that you're involved in a lot of different activities at Nutrier. You like to elaborate on that? So you mentioned that you came here when you were six and your first experience was watching Mean Girls. So yeah. where did you come from? Well, actually, uh, uh, when I was six, I uh, still lived in Moore Grove. I came over here during fifth grade, mm -hmm. went to a local west, then Ray Murphy, then Nutrier. It's not, I mean, technically, Warren Grove's still North Shore, but it's really not. Mm -hmm. uh, very different people, like bulk disparity, mm -hmm. like that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, definitely when I went to Avoca, it was a shift a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just getting to know those people. Um, I couldn't really relate. Didn't have a lot of friends in fifth grade. Mm -hmm. um, still a lot of nice people, though. That's why I like North Shore, even though, like, I don't think there's aware. There's still very good people up here. That's mm -hmm. why. That's why I still like about it. Mm -hmm. So I guess you say that these people are nice people, but you might not have fit in with them. Yeah. Do you I think? Just, do you care about that at all, or do you just? I just. I just see it how it is. You know, they could. Op they could operate without me, and I could operate without them. So why should I mess with them? Hmm. Yeah. So Aaron, what are your thoughts on the nutrient social structure? Because it's very, you know, political and super set, you know, cliques and all that. So what are your thoughts? The cliques and uh, groups, I understand. The political aspect, actually, I've never heard of because I've never dived too deep into the nature social system. Mm -hmm. It's always been uh, this thing I, like, always avoid. There's a reason I don't have social media. It's because I don't want to get involved with it. You know, I just don't want to get into other people's problems. Uh, I feel like 
they already have their own stuff and I don't need to get involved. Mm. So what do you, you know, you, you, you're probably one of the only kids at Nutra that doesn't have social media. Do you think that sort of just frees you up just as a person? You don't, you, you don't, maybe you're not aware of all the things going on, but some of that social media causes stress or maybe you feel left out. But if you don't have that, you know, what does that, what does it feel like? I'm content with what I have right now. Like, yeah. if I want to contact people I want to hang out with, I just use text. I don't think social media is a need. There's a need for that. I don't need to know everything mm-hmm. about somebody, you know. I don't need to know, like, I don't need to do these streaks. I don't need to constantly know that there's somebody on their side, you know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, without social media, it clears up so much time, I assume, because as somebody who has, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, I'm constantly You're on my phone. I mean, I'm not a TikToker, but you know, I'm on, I'm on, a, I'm on a, you know, I'm on a funny side of TikTok. You know, I'm on fantasy football TikTok and uh, curb your enthusiasm TikTok and all <laughs> that. So, what do you do in your free time that kind of other people might be on social media in that time? Um, I definitely read a lot, uh, play some video games, uh, mostly just read actually. I yeah. Think that's it. What are you, What are you reading right now? Uh. Because since school started, I don't have a lot of time. The last book I read was Disunited Nations by Peter Zeehan. Mm. It's a reality where uh, if the United States keeps on going on the course it is right now, where the world will end up with it. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about you talk about a book like that, and that sort of reminds me of the first time I met you when you came up to the lunch table, which was, you came up to the lunch table, Leo and I were talking about something that pertained to something Jewish. It's probably curving enthusiasm, or we were imitating... Uh, Jewish mom or something, uh-huh. and then you started talking about the Israel-Palestine conflict. Yeah, that's yeah. Palestine. Palestine. The Israel-Palestine conflict. It's not the Israel versus <laughs> Palestine. Like Fifteen minutes away. Yeah. And you blew my mind because as somebody who is Jewish and should care about Israel, um, you knew light years more than I did. So just. You're, I feel like you're so aware of the world around you. Just where did that come from? Where did that interest come from? Originally, I had an interest in military history, but then that started tapering off into like today. So the first experience I've had with Jews and Israelis was actually reading a Wikipedia article on the 1973 Arab-Israeli War. And it's like, this is so cool. The Israelis have like a two to one KD and they completely destroyed all the Arabs. <laughs> I'm not saying the Arabs didn't fight well because they did, but it was, it was like one-sided, like a curb stomp. But then I started reading up more on the repercussions of that, like what happened after the war. Because of course, when a, when a war ends, it just doesn't end there. There's always consequences. Mm. And uh, I learned from that that like Palestinians got more subjugated because mm-hmm. uh, because they're because one of the largest uh, players in the Middle East, Egypt, decided to bow down a bit to the Israelis. So not a lot of voice of representation for them anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I just started to explore other avenues like. I look into this for, I see where the nation is now, I see how it got there, and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. So I guess, what do you think about the world around us today, right now, with world everything around, going on? world around us today, a lot of people think it's a bad thing. Like, I mean, of course it is. Like, I think we'd agree the political situation right now is a bit tense, yeah, to say yeah, the least. Very much so. Um, I know a lot of uh, people our age don't look at the, the other view, like beyond domestic politics, they'll look at the news channels outside the United States, but a new global war is happening with China. You heard about TikTok, right? You use TikTok? Yeah. You know what you heard what was happening about that? I know that, I, I know, you know, 
different countries like India and China, they're banning it to prevent, you know, propaganda from yeah. inside the country. So yeah, a lot of yeah, a lot of people don't know like the broader picture, you know, mm-hmm. and that's okay because schoolers don't need to. It's just a niche that I like. Like, I think it's great that you guys are like living in the moment, like lacrosse. I don't know what you do, <laughs> but you seem but you seem to like enjoy like living right now. But I like looking to the future. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, what do you what do you think about the future of the of the country right now? Oh my God, it's gonna be horrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I fairly impar- I I would like to think I'm impartial on uh, the politics right now. Mm-hmm. But that's just because I'm hiding my views. Because I know if I bring up my views to the family or to my friends, it won't go well. So it's very much not to step into that game. Mm-hmm. So for the country, I do see a more polarized future. What you see with Trump right now is just the beginning. It's mm-hmm. going to get worse. If, even if Trump goes and buys wins, his ideals are still going to be there. His followers are still going to be there. They're not going to die within a short period of time. It's not good. Internationally, the United States, of course, still holds up power through economic terms, dollar, military with the Navy, and soft power with all of our music and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It is, um, it's still hopeful. It's going to be a bit harder, but I, I'm very confident in the international setting in the United States for the future. Mm-hmm. Mm. So Aaron, you talked about your interest in foreign affairs and military, so you're in Model UN, correct? Yes. How has that, when did you join and how have your experience in that gone? My first experience in United Nations, I actually didn't enter there on my own accord. Uh, when I was a freshman, I was actually like still kind of scared of branching out and stuff. But that one of my brother's friends, the first, uh, the president during my freshman year, she was a senior, I think it was Jane, forgot the last name. Um, she invited me in. First conference I had was an absolute blast. Uh, like, I'd like to thank Matt, I, I would like to thank uh, Max Liebach for that, if any of you know him. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, it was a blast. I continue to do it. I'm not gonna lie though. Um, I don't really get anything done in there. I just like <laughs> I just like observing. I don't. I'm not the one who gets reward, awards or passes like resolutions and stuff. I'm more the one who like help pass those bills. I don't really care if my name's on there. I'm just happy to be there. Mm-hmm. It's nice to uh, explore like different places in the country. I went yeah. to uh, San Diego last year. We went to downtown Chicago too. Wow. Yeah, San so, Francisco. But yeah. I'm not really sure how Model UN, you know, the competitions work, so what, what does that really look like? Well, there's two groups of people in the United Nations. Uh, the people who don't really compete and are just there for fun, and then, right. and then like, the people who do compete. Uh, I respect for those who do compete, but sometimes they go a bit too hard, you know, uh-huh. like, sap up the fun. Yeah. yeah. But uh, basically, you've got the awards. Um, there's really no, like, com- the competition isn't as fierce as debate, but... I feel like it's just a big role-playing situation. Mm-hmm. So, it, the competitions, don't, aren't you assigned a country? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, have you ever competed in that? Yeah, uh, that's the basic premise. They give you a country, and then they give you a committee. So, like, for example, like, Security Council. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm China, I need to do what's in the best interest for my country, and I need to do that no matter what. Uh, even if I have to screw up for other people, which yeah. usually happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Aaron, the first time I met you was sophomore year in our Mr. Kai Fage uh, World History class. Oh God. And that was an absolutely electric class. Um, and in that class, I think there were a few days where you even taught 
the full 40 minute period. I don't think, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it like that. If anything, it was Mr. Kaiface trying to put me back in line. By, uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember those days. Those days, uh, I don't know how I looked, but I was actually, I was like panicking because I'm like, <laughs> oh, I pissed off Kaiface, so I gotta reap what I took. How do you think, I feel, how do you think you, you grow so close to, to a teacher like Mr. Kaifage, or even last year with um, Mr. Goodwin, who's a phenomenal English teacher? Uh, Mr. Goodwin and Mr. Kaifage actually had during the same year. It was oh, yeah, that was close on there. Goodwin, not as personal as Kaifage. Mm-hmm. The only reason, like, he knows of me is because I gave him tiramisu. <laughs> uh, Kaifage, on the other hand, I don't know, I think we have an interesting relationship. I wouldn't call it, like, Friendly in the sense of, um, what is it, like good friends, but I won't call it like we're enemies. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's more of like a tricky student-teacher relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've done a lot of things he doesn't like, but I don't know why he still keeps me around, to be honest. I think because, I think it's because you bring such an interesting perspective to the class, yeah. and you always add a lot, because you're not afraid to say what you, to say what you think in class, and that's certainly what I remember about it. We'd have these Socratic discussions where you'd have different political viewpoints and you would, you would sometimes take sides that weren't too popular. And that's hard to do in class sometimes. It's hard to do, but like, I feel like I could because I don't really have anything to lose and it's fun, so, mm-hmm. yeah. So Aaron, what do you think teachers think of you as a student? Um, from all the parent-teacher conferences I've attended, they, just, they <laughs> think a lot of potential needs to focus more and definitely needs to study more. Yeah. So um, when they think of me, I think uh, I could be a bit more serious. Definitely applies to a lot of my teachers. Um, it depends on the class, though. So if it's typically a math or science class, well, mostly math, actually. If it's math, I don't really know that much about the teacher. We're friendly. If it's uh, science, um, it goes, it depends on the teacher usually. Mm-hmm. But science teachers are usually the ones I'm most closest to or friendly to. Mm-hmm. And then English, actually, not as close and friendly to. Mm-hmm. At a bad experience in freshman year, but he was a good guy. <laughs> um, in history, um, I just go off the, go off the walls with that one. It's, yeah. uh, I, it's because I could really relate to the topic. I like what I like uh, talking to other people who could like understand. Mm-hmm. I think that's always an interesting, interesting um, attitude that a lot of students take on where if they don't enjoy a subject particularly, they'll just sort of bypass it and just get through it. Um, but then, when it is a subject that they're interested, they're just all in. Yeah. Right. So you think you're more comfortable in that oh, in that history class. Yeah. So then, why don't you think you relate to your English teachers as much? Um, it usually depends on the English teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, um, of course, it always depends on the teacher. It, mm-hmm. Like, it makes or break a class. Um, I will say, uh, for three out of my four years in New I have a, I have had excellent English teachers. Mm-hmm. I've uh, I really like my current one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's your current one? Um, it's High Camp. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, you have a clear interest in history, so do you think beyond high school, would you pursue that kind of education? I would if my parents thought it would pay more than the alternatives, so they wanted to do something with a diplomacy, something mm-hmm. like that. I mean, I'm all, I'm all up for it. I could like minor something in history. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's just really just a hobby, but I can make whatever I want to be. So, do your parents are supportive of that, or they're not supportive of that? They say, Aaron, you could do history, but don't go full in because that doesn't really pay the bills at first. Really? That's interesting because you, I feel like if you get that, his, you know, that history education, you can really do whatever you want with it. 
you could do a lot of things, but uh, with history, there's other there's also other interests that come with it, right? Like mm-hmm. political science, political science, international studies, that type of stuff. So yeah, it's a it's a broad topic, and I'm okay with them saying don't like focus solely on like history. Do the other things. That's interesting. Yeah. So what do you what do you think about sometimes when when parents say don't go into this, don't go into that? What what do you think about that? Well, I used to hear that a lot from my parents for my two older sisters. My parents uh, came from the Philippines, uh, immigrants. They uh, want to, of course, like get like good paying jobs and stuff for their uh, kids. Mm-hmm. So for the first two kids in the beginning, they uh, forced them to, well, I wouldn't say force. It's, pro- it's probably mostly force. <laughs> they uh, told them, okay, get a high paying job. Um, you gotta pay off those college loans, that type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then with my brother and I, they told us because since we're like, right. they they said, uh, okay, do whatever you want, but we'll advise you. So we sort of talked about what teachers might think of you, but for the average student that sees you walking in the hallway, what do you think that they think about you when they see you? Looks wise, I think um, chubby brown kid wears the same thing every day. <laughs> uh, don't really know him, and the people who know me in classes or recognize me in classes know that he's quiet, doesn't participate much. Depend on the majority and the vast majority of classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say my iterations varied over the years. I was definitely, I hated my freshman iteration. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Pulled uh, some stuff I didn't need to. Lied a lot. Uh, yeah, wasn't wasn't pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you? Do you think you're an easily? You feel easily judged, or do you really care, do you not care about what other people think of you? Um, I definitely care what people. I definitely care what people who I know think of me. Right. But overall, if you if I don't know you, I don't really yeah. don't care. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So how do you think that you built that strength? Because I feel like a lot of people, specifically at Nutrier, it, it's hard. It's hard to sort of build that um, like self confidence mm-hmm. and self assurance. Um, I just I'm. I we mentioned this before. I'm like separate from the structure. Mm-hmm. I don't really get involved. I don't get that much input from people who I don't know. So I don't, I just block, I kind of just block it out. And when I do hear it, I just think, why do, why should I care? I don't mm-hmm. know who you are. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's a great, that's a great philosophy to live by. So Aaron, we're not the closest of friends. Uh, I don't think we've shared many classes, but I do remember sharing freshman year KW with you. Um, and I remember you, you know, you were out for a little bit. You. I remember you hurt your leg. I don't really know the specifics. So, what or what did you hurt? Breaking my leg. It was so stupid. So like, <laughs> I think it was a Friday. Um, my parents were supposed to go to Cancun or something for a weekend trip, and I'm like, oh boy, I can't wait to get back home and like sleep. Yeah. So back in freshman year, I I uh, I took the stairs down using two steps at a time, and for some reason that day. I misjudged it by three steps, and then, so basically, I broke my leg because I misjudged it for three steps, which means I tripped down three steps of stairs, not even flights, and I broke my leg from that. It's really humiliating. Yeah. It's funny, too, because, like, if you ask Leo, um, if you ask Leo, uh, we were just leaving Japanese class, yeah. and, he, and, and then uh, I was holding up the stairwell, of course, mm. because I'm there, like, withering on the floor, and then Leo's like, they, he didn't know, of course, and he's like, Get up already. <laughs> That's the most Leo story ever. Of course it is. Mr. Button is wonderful. But um, yeah, it was really stupid why I broke it. I probably pissed off my parents even more because theirs was having a nice vacation that was like, yeah. <laughs> um, definitely like the aftermath though. 
got off of KW. Ooh, yeah. That was pretty nice. Uh, how long were you out sidelined? Um, <laughs> sidelined. <laughs> sidelined from. <laughs> sidelined from KW. Yeah. Uh, and did you have to do, like, I'm sure you did physical therapy and. Yeah, physical therapy. So. Um, like my physical therapist, honestly, the whole, like, minus, like, the pain, it was a pretty nice experience. Everybody was super nice. I uh, yeah. got to, like, uh, got to fully skip out at, like, halfway uh, throughout third quarter and then all fourth quarter for KW. Yeah. I'm pretty sure all of your students are supposed to have um, CPR training, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't because I'm sound enough. <laughs> so I, I don't know if that's a graduation requirement or not. I hope not. I hope not. Otherwise, I'm screwed. Yeah, I don't think we. What do you think about KW Venture? KW Venture, um, great, great, great program. We could probably do better. Uh, I was one of those kids, like, unathletic, didn't really try a lot. Mm. Do you think it's necessary for Nutria students to, to take a KW class every year? Um, I think it's a case-by-case basis, like people do sports, you're obviously getting the amount of physical like uh, workout every day. But I do think it's important that even in my state, we have physical education for everybody. It's just a good way to get like the body in shape. Uh-huh. Yeah, a lot of benefits. So you mentioned before that your family's from the Philippines. Um, and I'd imagine that you go, that you go back there. Yeah. So how often do you go back there? And then what's going back to the Philippines like versus living in the North Shore? Oh, I, I love it. It's the exact opposite of this place. I think the average like North Shore kid would probably get on the next flight home or something if he just like he, he's just like looking at the approach to Manila and he's like, wait, what are all these stuff? What's all this? What are all these slums around the airport? And he just like ditches yeah. out. It's uh, I like it because it's it's uh, where my parents came from. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, I love the contrast. Um, I mean, I'm not uh, not advocating, but it's really interesting to see like. Um, the lower rung of society, a mere meters from like the highest rungs, you know. Yeah. Like, uh, literally, uh, went to this world class buffet in uh, January. Uh, it was in like this gated compound, and they had like Russian caviar and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then right outside, I see these kids begging for like five pesos, which is like less than ten cents. Mm-hmm. So they could like get a drink or something. I'm like, holy sh- uh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I love the contrast, and it's definitely different. I got to see my family there, um, a lot of things I could do over there, uh, I could do over there, and I can't do here. Like what? Sh- um, shot a gun for the first time. Really? Yeah. Wow, what's that like? Um, smelled like fireworks, sounded like fireworks. <laughs> I was, it was kind of a letdown. I like to try something bigger next time, definitely. So what does your family do in the Philippines? Uh, my family, uh, let's see. On my mother's side, the father, uh, my mother's side, so my mother, yeah, my grandfather on that side, he was uh, doing some sort of mining business, mm. uh, got taken over after he died. Um, on my father's side, uh, his father, his mother uh, worked at the WHO with infectious diseases, so whenever we go, she tells a bunch of interesting stories on uh, her trips around the world. So like, uh, when she had to go to like, Iran in 1979, well, or 78. Wow, yeah. And if any of you know much about Iran during that time, that was basically a year before the revolution happened mm-hmm. and all this anti-Israeli stuff happened. But she got to experience like the build-up firsthand in wow. Pakistan. Yeah, that was, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So your parents are immigrants, you said. When did they come to the United States and why did they kind of gravitate towards the Chicagoland area? Uh, they came to the United States for, of course, a better opportunity for their daughters at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother, actually, uh, when she got to medical school in the Philippines, her father gave her like a, 
an American uh, trip, so she got to go anywhere in the U.S. So she basically went the route. Um, so, and she already liked Chicago, the aesthetic and like the area. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like from the Philippines, a lot of Pacific Asian countries like that, they go kind of west coast like California. Yeah. And I think it's just a little unique that Chicago is the kind of a place where they ended up, which I think is really cool. Chicago was the place where my got like her uh, first actual medical job in Evanston, actually. Mm-hmm. And her first meal in the United States, I think, was like either in the basement of that hospital or in Buffalo Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's a great spot. It is a great spot. But yeah, definitely the opportunities here. Like it's common to Filipino families over there to actually send people abroad. They're called OFWs over to Filipino workers. Mm-hmm. Basically, like if you go outside the Philippines, you make like light years ahead of what's made there. It's yeah. such a good opportunity. Just send the money back. All right. Yeah. So definitely better opportunities here. Better education for their kids. That's yeah. Stuff. Do you have cousins your age that um, that still live in the Philippines or? The closest cousins of my age would be, I think, Gabe Lariosa. Uh, he's actually on the Filipino national soccer team or something. Wow. It's like, it's not like national, national, but like youth or something. Yeah. He's a good player. Yeah. Do you ever keep in touch with him? Because I think it's... Oh, no. We have no comments at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't really keep in touch with cousins because, one, they all use uh, one social media form or another. I refuse to touch Facebook. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. But whenever I go there, it's always a fun time. So what do you think are some misconceptions of immigrants? Well, I don't think, uh, from what I've seen, I've never actually experienced it firsthand. Mm-hmm. But it really depends on the type of immigrant, you, like uh, what ethnicity and race you are mm-hmm. when you come to the United States. Um, Asian Americans are obviously seen as the model like uh, immigrants because good grades, that type of stuff. A lot of actually, um, a lot of their uh, philosophy rubs off on the, uh, on the Caucasian America. Like you see a lot of similar values, which I, which I think they like why they mismatch and stuff. Like Asians, I think, are the second, or like uh, the second largest group in New Jersey. Not a large group, but the second largest. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're from like a Hispanic country and like that, um, I, feel, I definitely feel like you're more discriminated against. I really, I really can't picture what it's like going through as a Hispanic immigrant. Mm-hmm. Um, Southeast Asian and stuff, uh, it's kind of mixed. It depends from place to place, definitely. But mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Point of view from an immigrant, my parents, they worked hard, they, uh, they worked hard, I don't think they let any like negative thoughts in their head because they knew the ultimate objective was worth achieving. Mm-hmm. So when an immigrant comes to the United States, they come here to work and they know if they work hard enough, they'll get what they put into it. So then why do you think that there are a lot of people who are just, just anti anybody coming to the United States? Well, there's a lot of factors to that. I could definitely see where they're coming from with this, actually. It's, it's uh, jobs, definitely, um, xenophobia, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of, like, cultural and race issues. Yeah. Uh, I mean, immigrants are the only, I mean, immigrants uh, are an important asset to the nation. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, we look at this from, like, a really uh, cynical economic uh, outlook. Like, if we ignore, like, ethics and morality, immigrants are what runs the nation. It's like population. The United States is supposed to become, uh, it's, it's going to keep up its growth because of our immigrants. Yeah. Because we have so much influx. You look at other nations like China or Japan, not a lot of diversity, which means har- mostly harmonious, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of the people are dying and aging, which means who's going to replace that workforce? Mm-hmm. Immigrants are a crucial asset to the United States. Yeah, 100%. So, Aaron, what would you say to somebody if somebody 
said that immigrants are taking our jobs. A, a U.S. somebody in the U.S. said that. Well, I'm not gonna lie; they aren't wrong, and uh, that's not a good, that's not a bad thing. If anything, um, same views were held towards. I'm pretty sure back in like the early days of the nation, when all of those Europeans were coming over, the same sentiments as had. They were pissed off the Irish and like everybody else right. was coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a bad thing. It's uh, you're not wrong when they say you're taking your job. But here's the thing. If they're, if, if they're taking your job, you're probably doing something bad at your job and they deserve that job more than you. And second, it's probably for the, it's probably for the greater good. So we're going to transition a little bit. Um, so this, this year, our producer, Leo, um, Leo, Aaron, and I, on Monday nights, we go to an institution called Mizrahi Grill. Indeed. And... And we go there on Mondays, hence Mizrahi Mondays. Um, and we, take, we, we took Aaron there, and in, in exchange, he gave us these boba popsicles, yes. right? But Leo and I just wanted, we wanted to take Aaron to this place to get the full Jewish experience. Jewish. So what was it like? Um, it really felt like I was teleported to the set of um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, honestly. <laughs> like, that's what I describe it as. I'm like, wow, a place like this exists? I, I didn't believe it. Right. Like, it, was, it wasn't really a, it was a shock. It wasn't a bad shock or anything, but mm -hmm. like, wow. Great food, actually. Didn't expect it. It's phenomenal food. Why would you expect it? I will admit, I was a bit, like, kind of shocked from the prices from where I come from, like, where I used to get my food. Mm -hmm. like, Pita Inn. I, I mean, Pita yeah. is, like, probably a bit lower quality, but, mm -hmm. like... Jesus Christ, my lives. Yeah. Uh, so there's kind of two, I feel like there's two uh, sectors of Jewish food. Mizrahi Grill falling on the Israeli side, mm -hmm. and then you got your European Jew food, which is kind of, you know, bagels and lox and cottages. And yeah. I, I really want, I wish you could try that side, you know, the bagels kind of side, because I think Mizrahi Grill and Israeli food kind of is a similar to Middle Eastern yeah. food itself. Could, um, would you be open to maybe we could go to Once Upon? Yeah, uh, I've actually I've actually tried. Um, I've been to. I know Yom Kippur is coming up, right? This Monday. Monday. Yeah, Monday. Yeah, Monday. Yeah. It's such a shame because um, I believe freshman sophomore year, Jacob Inger, Mr. Inger, invited me <laughs> graciously invited me to his house to uh, witness this tradition. It was a. Wow. It was so interesting. I. I actually, so I did try the European style, um, albeit, I don't lie, I don't like fish, so I didn't like put the locks, I know it's mm. a, I know that's kind of like a, not bad saying. Yeah, you either, you either love it or you hate it, I think, locks. Yeah, it's very polarized. But everything else, like, I love, and by everything else, I just mean bagels and brisket. But. Yeah, like, it's also, I, I think that it's so much more than the food itself, especially when you go to Mizrahi, it's yeah. the whole experience, yeah, right? experience, definitely. What do you... I want to hear your take on that whole experience. Just be honest. It was a roller coaster, honestly. Yeah, first, right. I get the shock at first, and like we're we're cruising, and then like I, I start looking around, and I'm like, okay, that guy really reminds me of a what's the main character's name from Curb Enthusiasm? Larry David. <laughs> okay, yeah, there are like six Larry Davids in here, which isn't a bad thing, of course, but it's it was really interesting. Um, but that's the whole experience. It is experience. Like whenever you walk into like any ethnic restaurant, you just like. It's not just the food because, like, it's also the atmosphere. Like, both have to complement each other. If one doesn't, it just seems fake or like. It's the culture. It's yeah, the it's culture. culture mm -hmm. That's like, yeah, it's very reminiscent of Israel. Uh -huh. like, um, 
you really, you really get the full experience. And I'm very excited to go on our next Mizrahi Monday adventure. The people in a bubble are exposed, are exposed to more food from different places. It might change their whole opinion on those places because some people in their houses around the North Shore, they might hear a certain thing from their parents about a certain group of people. But if they, you know, if there's a restaurant that pops up, you know, and they go to that restaurant and they enjoy it, they might think differently about that group of people. And that's really like the power of food. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, even my parents when we moved here were like, we looked at the grocery stores around here and we're like, wow, there's absolutely nothing here. It's just generic stuff. We got like a Costco membership like a year or two ago. So that's new. But yeah. I realize now that the North Shore lists off Costco and like these local, I mean, local businesses, albeit, but kind of overpriced and kind mm-hmm. of bland. Like we will drive all the way down to like, um, we'll drive all the way like past Gobi just to get like our fix for something. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. You've been a thank tremendous you. guest. And I think that people are going to find this episode really, really interesting. Thank you to Leo, our terrific sound. producer. Sound um, guy. Sound connoisseur for being so ever present. Oh, one more thing. Uh, Yom Kippur is this Monday. Yom, as we call it on the podcast. Yeah. How are you going to repent? How am I going to repent? <laughs> Wait, it's about repenting? I yeah, it's about, about repenting. Eating. I thought it was just about eating and uh, having family dinners. Sort of. Yeah, uh, repent. Oh, let's see. Um, like, how would that work? Like, how do you usually repent? Like, is it, is it like a... I don't know. I, I don't repent that much. Okay. <laughs> you know, fasting, I think, is part of it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean... Yom Kippur, Yom, as I, I should say. Yom. I, I don't think I've appreciated Yom as much as I have in going through this year. Yeah. Something I, about it. I'm really excited. Something about Yom, I just need that emotional. I need the emotional downpour of Yom. Downpour, yeah. yeah. So what are you repenting of? Um, definitely fast, actually. That actually fits because I'm fasting right now. So. You're fasting right now? Yeah, wow. yeah. This is actually what broke my fast today. Really? Wow. Alright, well, we're sorry to... <laughs> <laughs> sorry to break it, the fast. No, no, it's fine. Uh, it's, right on, it's right on time. I, I, I'm fasting at 12, so it's, it's perfect. You're intermittent fasting? Yep. Alright, well, All right. that's, that's a nice little tidbit to end on. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, stay tuned for next week.